Welcome to The Link Church. We pray this week's message inspires you to have a meaningful relationship with Jesus. Who's glad to be in church? Who's more glad than that to be in church? Oh, we've got some people who are glad to be in the house of the Lord. It's going to be a good night. All right, I've got, I'm going to share around uh, tithes and offerings quick, and then I'm going to give you a couple of announcements quick, and then I'm just going to go straight to the Word. Are you ready for that? I want to read something out of uh, 2 Corinthians 9. Verse 6 says, But I say, he who sows sparingly, bear in mind we're talking about some of this. You're going to see more of this as we head into the message. He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Uh, I want more. I don't often want to give more, but I just want more. I don't know if you're the same as me. Um, I don't want to pay a lot for coffee, but I do want a lot of coffee. Come on. And so uh, he who sows uh, sparingly, he also, he also, that's what he receives back. And he who sows bountifully will also receive bountifully. Then verse 7, we know this. You've, you've been in church for a little while. You've heard this. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly of necessity. For God loves a cheerful giver. And, and we all go like, Amen. But it's hard to let go sometimes. Come on. Like, I'm not always happy about how much I have to give. It's taken me a long time. Uh, I actually, I used, to, I used to never give online. And the reason was simple. I didn't want the pastor to see how much I gave. And then I decided, you know what? I don't care what the pastor thinks. I'm just going to give online because it's easier. Like, I'm just making life difficult for me. So I started giving online. And I soon realized that the pastor doesn't care one bit how much I give. And then, and then over the years, giving became just something that just happened. Like my paycheck, it comes in and I just deal with it, right? And I realized I forgot to be grateful for what I was receiving. And so I, I've, over the last few years, I actually, before I do anything, I get paid. I just take a moment, I open my account, I go, God, thank you for what I'm, I'm able to receive here. Thank you that I'm able to give it. And then I pray, God, that you would bless what I give, that you would, that you would use it for your glory. God, I'm grateful that there was times where I could give so much, so much less than what I'm able to give right now. I want, I want to be able to give more, and I begin to pray over it. I pray over it. I pray over it. I've decided how much I'm going to give, but I, I pray about it. I want to challenge you. If you give online or whether you give out the back, the box, and the card, however it is you give, hey, just take some thought to what you're giving and pray. Pray. There's nothing better than being able to say, God, I'm, I'm actually glad I get to do this today. Bless it in Jesus' name. You'll be amazed at how you start changing your view about money as well. Amen? Verse 8 says this, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you. This is the part we forget. That you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. I don't know whether you know this, but God, there are so many things that God wants you to be able to do, to be able to partner with. There are so many great causes out there. There are so many people doing the most amazing things out there. And I actually believe this. I think that we would, we would do more if we had more, and we don't have more because we're holding on to the little we got. Mm. I asked somebody recently, I said to them, if I told you I was going on a missions trip, I was going to go to Africa somewhere and be able to preach to 20,000 people, we're just going to see like lives change, healings, miracles, would you want to come with? Like, yes. I said, could you afford to? No. So you want to partner with and do something great, but your, your debt is holding you back and your lack of being able to be generous is holding you back. And I really want to challenge you um, 
be generous. You hear me every week say, be generous. Be generous outside of these four walls. There's something powerful about buying someone a coffee. There's, somebody, there's something powerful about making somebody dinner. There's something powerful about just buying somebody something nice, a Snickers or something, right? Sometimes you've got to do that work. Just buy them a Snickers. They'll be less angry. Come on. Amen? Be generous, not just in here. Be a generous person everywhere you go. Amen? Yeah. Right, so if you're giving, or you're thinking about giving, you're not sure whether you want to give, I still want to pray with you, right? So come on, bow your heads quick. We're going to pray. I want you to think about your financial situation. We're going to pray. I'm going to pray two things. One, that you would learn to be generous. The second thing, that as you do, God would just increase you. So, Father, for every person who's giving, it doesn't matter what, what the amount is, I'm just looking at the heart. I know you're just checking our hearts this evening. I pray that where we get hard, where we get bitter, where we find it difficult, that you would soften that in us. Because at the end of the day, we have this deep desire to do more, to see more. We want to give more. We struggle sometimes, but we want to do more. So I'm asking that you would help us to shift our thinking, help us to, to open our hearts to the work that you have for us to do. Then, Lord, I just pray that you would bless each and every person in the room, every person who gives, every person even who's not here this evening. Bless them. Let them see your goodness and your grace in these areas. We pray that now in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, Easter's coming. I've got some information for you about that next week, but just so you know that I know Easter's coming. Um, but you knew that. You knew that in, in, on the 1st of January when the Easter eggs were in IGA already, right? You knew that. I didn't have to tell you that. Um, the other thing we've got next week, which is going to be very cool, we have a baby dedication, right? That's going to be awesome. If you don't know what that is, you just better come. It's going to be awesome. Uh, so we're going to do baby dedication. Uh, we've got Johan and Teresa. Johan's going to get up here and he's going to share a little bit. I'm hoping he just kind of continues on, just keeps preaching, just does altar calls, prayer ministry. I don't know where he's going to end, but it's going to be fun, right? And then just an update on uh, the Bible project. We are making headway. We're talking now with some people about what the Bibles, what these Bibles are going to look like, what they're going to do. But if you haven't been in the room, what the idea is this, we believe that everyone deserves to have the Word of God. Right? I believe that with all my heart, I'm prepared to put a lot of money toward that. And what I want to do is achieve a couple of things. One, when I read the Bible, I notice that most of you don't bring one with you because it's on screen. That's actually not biblical. We're supposed to check and prove that what I'm saying is actually, firstly, in the Bible. That'd be a good start, right? And so I also know that if I was to say, turn to 1 Corinthians 5.12, uh, most people would go into like a sweat. They'd start panicking. Is that New Testament? Is it Old Testament? Is it in the Bible? Is it not? And so what I'm going to do is we're creating Bibles that are easy for you to keep track of where we're going, right? We're going to make them available to every person in the room. And the fun part, the part that I'm most excited about, is that when somebody comes into the room, and they don't have a Bible, the Bible they open while we're reading through it, the Bible they open, if they don't have one, they can take that one with them. That's theirs. It's our gift to them as a church. We're going to bless people that every person who comes into this place has the opportunity to leave with the Word of God. Amen? Can we do that? So thank you for your giving towards that. I see that um, a lot's coming in. A lot of people are marking it Bible Project. Thank you for that. It makes my life easy. Just get to move it across to a different account. Amen? So I'll keep you in... I'll keep you informed of what we're doing there. Not too long now. All right, you ready? ready. All right, let's hit that video. Do you remember when we were kids? We'd gather around our teacher, lean in, 
and listen to stories that at the time we thought were just tales of adventure, but really they were designed to teach us skills to navigate life, family, work, and so much more. Jesus also told stories called parables, where he taught how to live a kingdom life right here on earth. Stories on trees, seeds, and fruit, money, family, and honesty. And whilst we may not be kids anymore, we're not too old for story time. Who's ready for story time? It's good, right? I, uh, they grow up so fast. They do, don't they? They do. They really do grow up so fast. Well done, mate. Well done. Well done. Uh, there's, so many, there's so many gems inside that little thing that we created. Uh, I'm still amazed. There was nothing better than actually asking parents. So imagine nowadays, 2022, we've got to ask parents now, we'd love to film your kids, but we can't tell you why or what we're going to do with that film. Sure, go for it. Just go for it. It's encouraging. Amen. All right, so we're looking, at, we're looking at the parables, we're looking at the stories Jesus told, we're looking at the spiritual side of it, because so often that there is a physical side of it, there's a spiritual side of it, and, and as I've been saying over the last couple of weeks, the parables, you can just read them, they can be awesome, and you can keep going. But there is something in here that Jesus was sharing, and as I showed you last week, you have to open your ears, not just to hear the thing, but understand what he's talking about, because if you don't understand it, the enemy will come and take that from you, right? And you leave yourself open to attack, you're doing life, you're just struggling, and so uh, the key to a parable is always seeking it out, looking at it, understanding it, unpacking it trying to understand who is who and what are you talking about? Why did you use that example? How is it relevant to me? What do I do with it moving forward? Is it something that affects me or is it something I can push aside? And Jesus is always dealing with stuff that can affect our lives. Amen? So we said last week that uh, parabole, whatever, I think that's how you pronounce it. Para means beside, right? Balo means to cast or to throw, so he's casting or throwing alongside the spiritual truth, this physical example. Amen? You with me? All right. Let me read this parable. I'm going to read it. I'm going to unpack it a little bit. I'm going to share a couple of fun facts about this, and then you're going to have to really look at your life and, and work out where you're tracking. Amen? So Matthew 13, verse 24. If you've got your Bible, we're going to go all the way to 30. Another parable. People rolling their eyes. What another one? Why? Why another one? Just say it how it is. He put forth to them saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. Verse 25, But while men slept. Pause. While men slept. Not while the sower slept. While men slept. His enemy came and sowed tares amongst the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. I don't know whether you've, you've noticed this. You come to church, your life's a mess, you give your life to Jesus. You, as soon as you start getting some traction, bam, it all breaks loose. You think, man, it was much easier when I was not a Christian. I never faced half of the challenges I'm facing now. Why, when I make a decision for God, is there opposition? Why suddenly, the minute I get moving, bam, something happens. There's a challenge. There's something that's going on in my life. Is it just me or are you with me? Mm. 
So the servants of the owner came to him and said, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? Right? We're so quick, so straight back to him. Why is it like that? Why is she like that? Did you, are you not doing something good in her life? Why is, what's going on here? And he said, an enemy has done this. The servant said to him, do you want us to go and gather them up? But he said, no, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares, bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. I don't know if you've met people like this. I really struggled with this question, but why, how can God be doing so many great things and allow so many evil things around us? Like, how is this possible? Like, he's a good God. Why are you allowing some of this nonsense to happen? Like, what is going on? And we forget along the way that, that God does allow certain things. His hand's not on it. But he will take his hand off it, and he will allow it. And we have to understand that going in here. There's, there's that that I want us to understand, and, and then I'm going to explain to you what a tear is. And so I title the message, The Wheat, the Tear, and the Weed. Now, a tear is something that looks like wheat, but it's not wheat. It's not wheat. It's an imitator, right? It's a counterfeit. Like everything the enemy does, there is always a counterfeit. He's always going to pervert something. He's always going to change something. It's always going to look like it's supposed to be something, but it's not. Amen? Now, you first read this and you think it's an odd story to be telling. Now, why is Jesus always telling these weird stories? Why are you always like, you know, you must imagine just standing there, being in the crowd. This is Jesus. I mean, people have said this is the Messiah. The guy's struggling to string a sentence together. The Savior of the world, and I'm convinced he's been drinking. What is going on? He's making no sense at all. He's just talking story after story after story. And the sad part is that most people actually felt this way, and they just heard it and moved on. They, moved, they heard the story, and they just kept going. And we can do that at times as well. We just read the Bible, and we just keep going. Seems like an odd story, but it's not. It's dealing with a lot, and it's certainly going to deal a lot with our lives as Christians. If you're a child of God, you've given your life to Jesus, this story is going to affect you. And everything we do has spiritual implication. Right, so let me share a few of these, uh, these truths about this, this uh, parable. Uh, firstly, as we're going in, the second farmer seems to have walked in in the middle of the night and he's come and planted seed in the same field as somebody's already sown good seed. Now, it seems odd. Why would you do it? Why wait firstly? It's late at night. That's dangerous, right? Why would you go out at night after they've already put something in the, the field? Why would you go in and start to sow other seed? What is the point? Because if you're sowing seed, you're trusting for a harvest. But you're sowing seed in the wrong field. You're never going to be able to claim the harvest. You're only going to do some damage. So it seems counterproductive or counterintuitive until you realize that the sower is Jesus and the second farmer is Satan. And when you get your head around that, you start to understand what was going on here. The second farmer has a massive issue with the sower. 
In fact, so much so that uh, in these times, it was to do this was considered the utmost or the highest version of disrespect that there was. If you did it nowadays, there'd be a punch-up, right? It was so disrespectful that it was considered hatred and punishable by death. Because you could kill a town, you could kill a city. I mean, they were relying on this harvest. To cause damage was more than just the personal beef that you've got. It was, it was going to affect many other people. And so you've got to understand the sheer hatred. If it was today's terms, and it was a political environment, it would be the declaration of war. The severity of it is that you're not just, you're not just putting seeds somewhere. You are declaring war against me. Families would kill each other. Towns would go to war over this. There would be World War III if this happened nowadays. You would never, ever, 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 ever do this. You must understand what the severity of what was happening here far exceeded just, well, I've got nothing to do. There was nothing on Netflix. There was a war. He picked a fight. And sometimes we need to be reminded that we are in a war. Some people are way too casual about their Christian walk. Way too casual. You are in a war. Every person you meet in the day, every customer you have, your boss, everyone, whether they accept it or not, is in a war. And we are fighting towards something. We are fighting for people's lives, for their eternity. We are in a war. Now, as a child of God, you're wheat. But in life, there are tares. And they're weeds. Now, the farmer can, I wonder whether you can, but a farmer can actually tell the difference between wheat and tares, right? They can tell. They have to get closer, like you couldn't just see it from a distance, but they can tell the difference. I wonder whether you could. Now, wheat and tares to the naked eye look very, very similar. They almost look the same. If you're just looking at it, they look the same. And he's dealing with the church. And as sad as this is, some men and some women are the same. You've got churches that are full. To the naked eye, you see, wow, this is amazing. But if you were to examine a little bit closer, you will find out that not everybody is wheat. From a distance, it, it looks the same. Close up, not so much. Amen? Everyone looks saved. Everyone looks sanctified. Everyone looks like they're Holy Ghost filled, hands up, love Jesus. Dig deep. Dig deep. And you're going to find out that that's not always true. And he's dealing with this. Good seed, because that's why you plant something. You want a return on investment. You want seed back, right? No one plants something for nothing. Amen? Unless you've like got a lot of plants around your house or whatever. You just like it because it's pretty. But if you're doing, like, for something that's for, for eating, nobody plants weed and goes, man, I just hope nothing happens. Right? You need help if that's your, if that's your heart. You need help. Right? You're trusting for a harvest. Come on, you're trusting for a harvest. And good seed is good to eat. Come on. Right? Like, if you could sow burgers, you'd be sowing burgers. Like, you want, good seed is good to eat. Bad seed is not good to eat. And eventually, what he's saying is, there is coming a day where there is a separation going to happen. It's either going to be good or it's going to be bad. 
And that is what we're dealing with. And so here's some fun facts. I love these facts. I'm going to share them with you about the weeds, about the tear, uh, and I'm going to share with you about uh, the wheat as well. So the weeds, right, when he's talking about the weeds, because whenever you, I, I don't know if you're like me, it, I can't grow anything, right? I just can't grow anything. It doesn't matter what I plant, it won't grow. I have an apartment, it's concrete everywhere, concrete all above me, the outside is, is paved. I can grow weeds though. I can grow weeds. I can do that. They come through concrete, through the walls, through everywhere. You, I've never seen anybody walk past and go, morning, just planting seeds. Like, like never, this, you'll have weeds in a week. Don't worry about it. I know that, bro. I know, I know I'll have weeds in a week, right? I know that because there's concrete. Where else would they grow, right? Weeds, the people who behave like this, they're just people who just exist. They're there. And this is where we need to start to examine and answer some questions about ourselves. They're the shortest, the smallest, and the weakest. They produce little to no fruit or seed. Weeds are spectators. They like watching the, the wheat and the tares. They like observing. I want to, you get weeds. I've seen weeds many. I've got a, a mate of mine. He's a weed, right? Definitely in the church. He's a weed. He wants you to sit there and just observe. He'll tell you, I'm a people watcher. You're not. You're a weed. I'm going to send him this message. I hope you're listening in Jesus' name. Like, you're a weed. You sit there and you're watching, but you will, you've got lots to say, but you've got very little that you're doing. They like to watch. They have no place. They're ugly to look at. They're ugly. If you're listening, mate, you're ugly to look at in the church. You pose no threat as well. That's terrible. Imagine that. To be worthless. You just plant, you just got nothing. The only problem with a weed is it's annoying, right? But in the church, you find them, they're just spectators, they're gossipers, only do what suits them. They exist. They never produce anything. They talk about others. They comment. They very, they very seldom contribute. They're just a sad kind of people, and they're painful to be around. They're painful. Weeds are a problem. They're not going to end your life, but they are an annoyance. Now notice how what a person produces clearly shows who they are. I had a mate once who said, you can't judge me. I said, I'm not. I'm looking at your fruit. My youngest brother said it best. Somebody said, you can't judge me. He said, I'm not judging, I'm predicting. <laughs> that was the best comment I've ever heard in my life. He said, I'm just predicting. He said, I'm not judging. I'm just telling you, if you carry on the way you're going, I know where you're going. It's brutal, but it's true. Right? The tares, especially in the church, the tares are what that second farmer sowed. Most people don't realize that, that, that Satan or the demonic attend church more than us. They don't miss a service. We do, they don't. They are always looking for a gap, always a moment, always a way to discredit, always a way to bring it down. They have a plan. They have a plan, and we should have one too. The tears are shorter they're medium-sized and they're weaker. When you're looking at, looking at the wheat and the tares, they, uh, when you see them and they're fully grown, they'll always be a, bit, a little bit shorter. They're medium-sized and they're weaker. They produce some seed. That, that's not nice to know, but they do. Uh, they, they're normally prideful, boastful, stubborn. They're a retrobate, self-endowed. 
They act like wheat. Now watch this. They act like wheat, but they're not. And if you eat their seed, it causes severe nausea, produces vomit, severe headaches, and a host of other illnesses. That thing, you need to watch carefully. You need to watch life and death are in the power of the tongue. And those who love that will eat its fruit. You need to watch what you say. You need to watch how you communicate. You need to be very, very careful because a lot, it says a lot about you when you speak that way. It says a lot about you when you just run your mouth. It says a lot about you when you're rude. It says a lot about you when you just you know, encourage that driver on the road to move to another lane. It says a lot about you. It doesn't say a lot about them. We haven't dealt with them. And we have to watch ourselves. And Jesus is dealing with it. He's saying, don't come here and look like you're wheat, but produce something that's toxic, that hurts people, that's negative, that poisons them, that changes them, that makes them sick on the inside, that causes a range of illnesses, that causes a range of disease. Don't be that person. He doesn't want that. We're supposed to get rid of that. That's supposed to be out of our way. We're supposed to be changing. I don't want to be the person that when you leave my presence, you go, I just, it's just yuck. I have been around people like that, and it's gross. You leave their presence, you feel uncomfortable, you feel weird, I feel judged, I feel down, I feel like I've gone too far off course. That is because of what they are saying, the way they're making you feel, and we are called to be bigger than that, we are called to be better than that, we are called to leave people in their presence and make them feel good about life. They're supposed to want to see you again, not hope that they never do. They're supposed to want to come to church and sit next to you, not make every excuse why they're not sitting next to you. The tears are dangerous. They are dangerous. They are very dangerous. We've got to watch out for that. And I don't want to be the person to tell you that that exists in the church, but it does. Satan will use these people everywhere, in your work, in your home, in your... Every, just make no mistake about it. If, if God has a plan for your life, the enemy is coming after him. Why? When he sowed that, he said he sowed it in his field. He came after, the second farmer came after the sower. Sometimes we think the enemy just hates me, man. The enemy hates God. He's out to destroy that plan. And we have to push back, amen? Now the wheat, the wheat is cool. Those are the, the people that are being used by God. I love this when I read this. This is my first line I put in every one of them. The wheat is longer, bigger, and stronger. Can I get a good amen? Damn straight. We are always bigger, always better, always stronger. That's the way it is. No weed can mess with us. No tear can mess with us. I am bigger than them. I am stronger than them. I can overcome. I am well able. I don't need to back down. I never have to feel insecure. I'm the biggest. I'm the best. That's how I roll. And you need to catch that in your spirit. When you wake up in the morning, you go, man, you need to put some makeup on. You need to fix your hair. You're ugly as sin, bro, but it's going to get better. Let's go. Why? The world is waiting for me to attack. The world is waiting for me to win. We need to have, we need to have that fight on the inside of us. You feel like, I just feel depressed. I'm not going to be choked out by some tear, by some demonic, by some negative comment. I'm rising above in Jesus' name. I also don't want to go to work on Monday. Joe was the only one who was like, that's good. 
I haven't heard her comment once through the message. I don't want to go to work on Monday. She's like, guys, preach that. Preach that in Jesus' name. Come on, Joe. Come on, keep encouraging me. I've got other ones like that. You just keep cheering me on. The seed is heavy and it's full. Why? Because what God's placed on the inside of us is big and it's heavy and it's full. We ain't like the tears that, that look the part, but they empty, they hollow. There's just nothing on the inside of them. No, we're big and we're powerful. And what we carry is a lot because it's not producing just today. It's pr- producing for generation after generation after generation. Come on, I want to tell you something. Do you want to know why the abortion rate is where it is? Because the enemy is able to delete the future of what God God wants to do. He's killing the seed. That's why he's after the seed. Listen to what Jesus is saying. He's after the thing that we think is insignificant. No, it is massively significant. What God's placed on the inside of you, you feel like, man, it is heavy on my shoulders. Yes, it is. That is not a burden, it's a blessing. But he's called me to, to things I just feel like I can't achieve. It feels like it's, yes, yes, it's, you're, not supp- you're not that good. You're not that good. I get checked with this all the time. God, how am I supposed to do this? It's so much. Toughen up, chief. Let's go. Let's go, bro. Stop your whining. Let's go. I want to share a testimony quickly. It's not in my notes. I'm going to share it anyway. So I'm driving to work this week. And... Um, I still even remember where I am. Like, I'm just, I'm just not as spiritual as probably I should have been. I'm just driving. This is honestly, I prayed over you guys. I prayed over the church. And I, it, it was a quicker prayer than the second one, just so you know. The first prayer was, Lord, I don't know what they're doing. I don't know where they are. I don't know what they're going through. Just bless them. Let today be different. And I just started speaking life over you guys and just spent a few moments. And then I quickly shifted because we do. We're good at praying a short for others and then a lot for ourselves. I don't know if you hear the same, right? And I just soon shifted and I was like, God, I was like, God, you gotta help me. Like, you gotta help me with finances. Eh? You, like, you just gotta show me. I need wisdom. You said if I if I ask for, I need it. I can ask. I'm asking. And and, and here's what the Lord said: nothing, nothing. I, I got to work and I got on with it. And I get this message a few moments after I get to work. And the uh, the, the person says to me, I wa- I want to say sorry for interrupting you, but I'm not sorry because it's a word that I believe the Lord's given me for you. Bam, all about finance. And I'm like, no, that's awesome, right? And so I'm reading this. I'm like, you, you've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding. So now I'm like, now the message is between, between us two are starting with wow. You know those messages like, wow, God, wow, wow, wow. Now suddenly I'm noticing the goodness of God. Ten minutes ago, I was like, where are you? What's going on? And so I'm like, I'm just so excited. And, and, and so later on that day, I, I get a message, and, and Lizette sends me a message. First time ever, Lizette's ever sent me a message that's just a one-liner. Normally, it's like, hi. She would always say, hi, pastor, and then tell me what you... And then if it's back and forth, it could be a one-liner, but she's always... I just get this message. I think something along the lines of, God's about to do something great or something. Like and I just responded, amen. And as I responded, I was like, yeah, God is going to do something great. I mean, he's already done something great today. He's going to do something great. I checked because I got another message that came through. This is all in the morning. I don't know what your morning was like. Mine was awesome, right? I get another message. I wish I could tell you what it was, but the blessing was significant. And so I checked the time, seven minutes, between the time I said amen 
and the time God came through. I know some days you feel discouraged. I know that. But I also know that God is far greater than that discouragement. Come on. Amen? To get back to the wheat. They're heavier. We're on the home straight. We're going to be okay. Now check this out. This was my favorite thing when I was, when I was learning. Right? When you examine them, they look very different. And when, he, when they are fully grown or mature, when they reach mature age, come on, some of us need to get to maturity, right? That, that's growing up, right? When, when the wheat is ready, when it is mature, when it is at its peak, do you know how you can look through the field and see the difference? I even had to check out my phone and check out the emoji. I messaged you all today. There was a clue in there. When, when you get there, when they get to maturity, the weight of the wheat versus the tear. The tear are standing up. They're smaller, weaker. They're, sm- they're shorter. But the, the wheat is all bending over. They're all bending over. And they will face from where the wind was blowing. There is something about when you realize who you are, you realize the weight of what you're carrying, you realize the magnitude of what you've got, you find yourself bowing to the presence of the Holy Spirit, the wind of the Holy Spirit. You're allowing Him to wash through you, to push through you. You're able to get yourself into a posture where you can bow before the presence of the Almighty instead of stand around trying to get recognition. No, it bows itself in the presence of the Most Holy God. And there is something powerful about what you see. He was using this picture to give you something spiritual. A lot of the time today, what I'm finding is we're not pushing ourselves to be mature in the word. And so all we feel is the pull of the tear trying to choke us out and that weed trying to distract us. We're noticing everything around us instead of growing and understanding that they are not our enemy. It is God who needs to deal with that. We are fighting a fight that doesn't belong to us. We're supposed to push on and press forward. And I know it's hard. I know. I know. I know some of what you guys are going through is, is horrendous. It's horrific. You feel like you can't take it anymore. It's too heavy. God, I need help carrying this. I can't carry it on my own. I don't know what to do. I feel stuck. I feel like I can't move. I don't know where to turn. I don't know what to, I don't, I don't know anymore. And I know that feeling. I've been there many times where you're standing in the bathroom and you're looking in the mirror and the tears are just streaming and you, you feel like I can walk out the door, but I don't know where I'm headed. You can't walk from church because you know God's called you. you. You don't want to talk to anyone in the church because you feel like they're going to judge you. You just don't know. You feel so lost and empty and aimless. You just, life is just humming. You need to hear the wind of the Holy Spirit moving through. You need to understand that God is calling you to just keep pushing, to just keep growing. In spite of what the wind, in spite of what the tears are doing, in spite of what the weed is doing, you keep going, you keep going, and you can. You can. It's a beautiful picture. It's a beautiful picture. And so can I caution you? Somebody help me with this early. Be careful who you allow to speak into your life. I'm not saying be the person who blocks everyone out, like unless he a prophet, I ain't hearing nothing. That's silly as well. That, that's silly as well. Right? But I am mindful of who I listen to. I want to see some fruit before anyone's just going to lay hands and pray on me. 
I want to see what their life looks like before I'm just giving them a microphone. I want to see where they've, what they're producing before I just let anybody into a sphere where they can damage the lives of the Christians around us. But at the same time, you have to be careful. He who has your ear has your future. Right? You need to watch out. You need to be careful. You need to be mindful. You think, no, no, but they're in the church. Mm-mm. Mm. That is not how we figure this thing out. Right? We go to God first. We go to God. I've told... I've told many guys, many guys, I'm telling you now, people come forward for prayer. I've seen many guys, they square up in front of that girl. Hey, sweetie, I'll pray for you. Mm-mm, mm, you won't. You won't. Out the way. A girl can pray for a girl. I don't need you praying for her. Right? I've seen guys on the floor, two people go down, Holy Spirit so on him, he's rolling closer to her. <laughs> Where are you headed, bro? Where are you going? I just felt the Lord. Yeah, you're going to feel something else in a moment. (laughs) Some of you love, some of you love because you know I'm right. You know I'm right. Right? You know I'm right. Come on, we got to be careful. Some of these people, you sit next to them, you work next to them, do life with these people. Watch out for the tears. Watch out for the workers that Satan is using to derail your life, to to get hold of you and choke you out. You know why they give you the picture of choking? If if Lizette screams, don't. But if Lizette screams, right, she can alert people. If I choke her out, I squash the sound. You want to know how you're being choked out? When you're more worried about what somebody thinks about you in worship than worshiping, when you can no longer raise your hands, when you can no longer sing, you're being choked out because your words have power. And if the enemy can shut you up and lock you down, he kills what's coming. He kills what you can create. Come on, you need to watch out when you feel like, I just can't breathe in this area. I feel trapped in this area. Notice it for what it is. Break free from that and realize I need to go to God because the people or the situation, something is not right. I need to get out of this mess because there is a call on my life. That's when you start to speak life. God, I'm grateful that I'm called. I'm grateful that I'm anointed. I'm grateful that no weapon formed against me can prosper. I don't care what the enemy says. I don't care what that text message says, I don't care that they didn't like my Facebook status. I am called. I'm anointed. I'm going to keep going, keep pressing, keep pushing forward. You've got to push yourself through it because I'm telling you now, there is not a lot of people that are going to come and stir you up in those down moments. People love you when you're rich. They love you when you got your Ferrari. They love you when you got something to offer. You go through a tough time and they are gone. Why well, I got to pay for coffee this time? Hmm. Come on, Jesus is calling us to be sanctified. I'm almost done here. I'm going to explain this and we're done. Sanctified means to be set apart. This is a word we don't talk about anymore. This is a word we don't like. It's like the word repentance. It's coming next. Right? He's called us to be set apart. You're so trying to look like everyone around you. Why? Why? I remember my mother saying, Andrew, you're a loser. Thanks. Thanks, Mom. She said, it's so simple to see. You are what you hang with. Suddenly you saw all my friends going, I'm here. Like, I'm also in the room. What are you? Man, I wish my mother was here now. 
The only reason I quote what my mother said is because she's not around. If she was around, I'd be like you. Mm-mm, that ain't coming out of my mouth. There's nothing worse than just driving down the road. You realize you just sound like your mother or your father. <laughs> Russell, you sound like dad, uh, if you're listening. <laughs> Stop trying to fit in. Stop trying to fit in. You don't fit in anyway. Stop trying. It's weird. It's like trying to get yourself in and wangle your way into a friendship circle that just doesn't make sense. Like, I really want to really be around them. They're just so cool. They're not. They're toxic, and you know it, and you're trying to squirm your way in there for no reason. Find other friends. Go to church. Stop trying to fit in. Now, here's how you know if you're sanctified. Here's how you know. Here's some of the things that you can check yourself. Not all of them, but some of them. Where if you're sanctified, if you're set apart, this is something that's getting bet- you're getting better at it, or you're good at it already, right? You realize when you're sanctified that the tares, these are the guys that, that Satan's using, you realize that the tares, they don't want to mess with you anymore. They don't want to mess with you. That's when you know everyone around you, they've dealt with the fact that you've dealt with that. When your friends stop offering you alcohol and they stop offering you drugs, and th- then you know. The reason they've stopped is because they realize that it doesn't matter if they offer or not, so they're wasting their time. Right? You, there was a stage you offered me cocaine, I was in. Now you offer me a cocaine, you're going to meet Jesus. Right? I'll knock your block off. Why? I'm not dealing with that nonsense. Come on. If you're sanctified... You realize that uh, you don't get affected in any way, actually. You no longer do the things that you used to do in your past. The atmosphere changes when you enter a place for the right reasons. For the right reasons. You realize that you're set apart when you're being transformed by the renewing of your mind. You're starting to rethink your former way of thinking. Why do I think that way? Is that God's way? If no, I'm changing my way. That's how you know. You find that the things that are happening around you in the world bother you. And you're hunting or seeking out what it is God's got for you. Not spending more time on Instagram finding out what other people have done. No one sub 30 went amen there. I just realized that. (laughs) Everyone over 30 was like, "Mm mm-hmm. The good news is this, God is coming, he is, he made it clear, he is sending the reapers, right, those angels are coming, they're going to clean up this place, something's going to happen, and now is actually your hour of repentance, which means to do a 180, I don't know which way you're headed, but you better make sure that that's headed towards heaven, right, if you're on the wrong path, or you've just jumped off onto a, you've just seen a coffee stop on the way, and you decided to take one of the off-ramps, you better turn your life around, tomorrow is not promised, I don't want to put fear into you, but tomorrow is not promised, I don't know when he's coming back, I need to, I'd love to know, but I'm not going to find out, he's going to come back, and I don't want you to not be ready, I want you to be ready, I want when the, when the Lord returns, you don't have this fear, you go, oh, it's on, bring on heaven, baby. You don't start freaking out. 
You need to turn. You need to turn your life around. You need to start to chase after God. You need to realize that now is your chance to be set aside. Now is your chance to turn from your old life and walk away from that stuff. Walk away from the things that are holding you back, dragging you down. I know she's cute. I know he's awesome. I know that they're a great friend. Walk away. It takes maturity to do it. Walk away. He was dealing with maturity. He's saying you need to bow to the Holy Spirit, not be looking at what's happening happening next and your choice is right here right now if you haven't repented if you haven't turned your life around can i just encourage you you want easy hit mackers christianity ain't easy it's not it's not if they had told me what i would go through up front i wouldn't be here i wouldn't be here i'd have told them exactly where to go when i was still allowed to say it the way i said it right i'd explain to them properly but I'd never, not once, it's hard, but I've never once, not one day in my Christian walk, have I ever stopped to think about how far I've come and think I wish I didn't do it. The greatest decision of my life was giving my life to Jesus. And many of you can testify that that's the truth for you too. Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death. And that's where we get stuck. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's what we should focus on. Thanks for being with us. We hope this message leaves you stirred to a place of action. If you made a decision to receive Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, need more resources or want to take your next step, linkthechurch.org has everything you need. Until next time, from everyone at The Link Church, God bless.